0: Here we are with Avery Ching, the co-founder of Aptos, a really uh, interesting up and coming layer one chain. Um, So Aptos has, uh, like I said, has been kind of breaking out uh, this cycle, super interesting chain founded by former employees of Meta's uh, blockchain team, um, backed by many prominent VCs. So really excited to learn more about you today, um, Avery. So to start maybe, uh, we can, you know, just get into Aptos, how there, there's many different layer one chains. How is Aptos special?
1: I uh, appreciate this uh, opportunity to be here with you, Camilla. Um, Aptos, I think a lot of it, you know, what what makes us Aptos really different, I think comes with its founding history. And so I'll kind of walk through that. So back in, I was at Meta for 10 years, uh, working on a variety of different things in data infrastructure, um, and uh, in 2018, uh, there, was an, there was an effort to build out um, a, a a network that could support remittances, payments and some largest use cases in the world uh, with distribution from Meta. And it was kind of the project was called Libra, and over time, kind of evolved to include things like Novi and DM. Um, DM being an association of partners that could um, build out a, a top tier technology stack that could support their their ambitions. Um, I joined the team pretty early on uh, in 2018, uh, started working in the consensus space and then overall became the the Web3 blockchain lead uh, for, for, for Meta. And during that experience, you know, it, I think what really resonated a lot with our team was very philosophical. Uh, it was, you know, I've worked in data, data infrastructure for a long time, saw a lot of challenges in terms of how do we process massive amounts of data, extract lots of insights. And use it to power of products uh, you know that are that have billion billion plus audiences. Um, with that knowledge, I think it's this is a very unique opportunity where we can change the way the internet looks and runs where everyone can have access to it, everyone can own a piece of it, everyone can participate as much as they like into it. And so this mission of building out a public utility, I think stuck with a lot of us mm-hmm. um, as the core mission of what our technology was designed to do as a part of that. It was really like, you know, how do we reach billions of people? Uh, that's our, kind of our MO and meta was, you know, that's, you know we, we definitely want a lot of scale. And there's a lot of benefits from that type of scale of economy. Um, and so when you think about how do you kind of reach that, that level of scale, uh, it's, it comes down to what are the systems you're building underneath it? What is the blockchain technology? What is the way we think about also the developer experience of constructing applications in a way that is very, very different than the way you think about coding today? Um, most people think about coding as, you know, I, I develop something, I test something out, it has some bugs, I fix it, I roll those fixes forward. Uh, fix forward. Um, and that's the kind of traditional developer cycle. When it comes to smart contract development, that doesn't work. Uh, we can't have bugs there. We can't have um, funds or assets being lost. Uh, and, you know, if in order for people to be able to trust that this is a reliable infrastructure, we decided to kind of start from, from the grounds up in that mission. And so with that, a couple of key technologies were built out. One was the DM blockchain, and the other one, the Move language. The Move language um, is a very different way of thinking about writing smart contract development. It is a way that is designed to make sure that people can o- actually own their assets; that they're not stuck in a contract uh, that you know kind of has a, a map of ownership, and those things, assets are unreachable. Um, it prevents simple programmer mistakes through uh, today preventing dynamic dispatch, um, but over time, it's things that we can actually enable in the future. Uh, it also prevents the ability, to, the way you think about things is more around, you just can't make certain types of mistakes. You have a coin uh, module and that coin module is unable to accidentally like just drop money on the floor or forget about it or multiply or increase that supply without going through proper, uh, proper functions and constraints that, that make sure and permissions uh, to ensure kind of you don't make those mistakes as a programmer. And so it's fundamentally thinking about how do you get from ideation into production, not only just quickly but also safely as possible, and that being a game changer in the way that developers can bring their their ideas to life in in a new network, was one key difference. Another key difference is the infrastructure. You know, we looked at things like Ethereum and Tendermint and others, very promising, but we didn't feel it was designed for scale. And so, with that, we had to redesign the way we think about. How does scale look like in this space? And so, going and drawing back on, on my knowledge of um, of system design, I also before this I worked on uh, high performance computing, and supercomputing, uh, at places like Argonne, Sandia, um, and uh, 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 and uh, Los Alamos as well. And, um, you know, those systems are designed to, to have massive parallelism, to support the largest applications of the world around protein folding and other very hard scientific challenges. And you think about the way you design a system, it should be supporting high levels of parallelism. It should be highly concurrent. It should make sure that programming models integrate very carefully into the system so it can support those, those key innovations. And, you know, at the end of the day, it looks like a decentralized database to most people. It is just very fast, highly performant, uh, very low latency. And so you can build on top of it uh, the kind of internet applications you see today, except for they're based on Web3. They are owned by the users. They are a permissionless database that everyone can interact and agree on settlement on. And so those two things, I think, are the key, um, the key kind of pieces that we started off in 2018 with. I think another key uh, differentiator is upgradability. And the ability for the system to be able to change very rapidly over time through technology advances, is super important because this space is moving very, very quickly. And so being able to design that system where where we said, look, we have a mechanism for being able to change your consensus protocol uh, as a part of a governance update uh, that's voted for on-chain, the ability for us to evolve the way accounts are looked at over time and support account abstraction natively, uh, or the way that we are able to kind of scale out uh, in many different ways from even from leveraging more resources on a single machine to also going across multiple machines over time as a way to kind of scale up and scale down the, the same way you think about cloud infrastructure also very very key and also had new features like on-chain randomness uh, which is very interesting and maybe the, one of the best important use cases of blockchain today so it's a combination of starting off from how do we support billions of users from a systems perspective and from a language, uh, a smart contracts development perspective to how do we also iterate really quickly with technology over time? And the last piece I would say is providing that user experience that looks exactly like the internet. So we can support those 5 billion internet users today while there's only maybe, you know, tens of millions of, of kind of, web three users and growing that you know that that audience into into the larger inner audience uh, internet audience is very key for us so those are the kind of key differentiators I think from the Aptos perspective uh, from a, from a philosophy standpoint from a practicality standpoint what we 've also shown is that Aptos has the highest performance out there in terms of scalability we run we, we do things differently in terms of transparency we you know there's a lot of noise in the space okay we 're the fastest we 're the most scalable so on and so forth. These experiments are often not repeatable. They're not, you know, they're not end to end. And so what we've done is taken a very different approach. Like from our history, we look at things like there are lots of database benchmarks out there, and there's a way to kind of measure these databases against each other through TPC, uh, for example, which is a benchmarking suite. Um, we don't have that in blockchain today. So we start to build out those processes. We start to put, a, put together those infrastructures and the frameworks for us to say, like, here's our framework for evaluation. Uh, here's our experimental setup. Here's the machine configurations. Anyone can run those experiments, have verifiable and repeatable results. And what we were to demonstrate was we could get more than two billion transactions uh, per second. Uh, sorry, per day, in a in a in a like environment that seventy-plus node operators witnessed and verified, which is more than fourteen times what Visa can do, and that's instant settlement. Unlike when Visa, where it kind of settles and then kind of settles again over time. So, I think you know. Those are kind of the things that we think really separate us from from other infrastructures out there.
0: Super interesting. Okay, so a, a big piece, uh, like you mentioned, is the uh, the programming language move, which was uh, developed in um, Meta first. Um, then, um, upgradability, this very scalable infrastructure, this Web two like uh, UX, um, and you know, being able to to test this transparently. With uh, and, uh, a system that others can also try. Uh, that's that's a really interesting piece as well. Um, is, is that available? Uh, yeah, yeah, right yeah absolutely.
1: Yeah. So if they, you know, we, we published a medium post about it, we put it on Twitter. People are welcome to go ahead and take a look at uh, the open source code that we provided. We run the same experiments, use the same hardware on uh, GCP. Uh, and they, they should get the same results, if not better today, because the, the system's actually improved over time.
0: So uh, digging a bit into the infrastructure piece, like this scalable infrastructure, um, how how do you actually achieve these? Was it 2 billion transactions a day? In, in
1: a day, yeah. So that's more day? than 25,000 transactions per second. yeah.
0: Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, there's this very well-known um blockchain trilemma where you know you have to make trade-offs in uh, security uh, decentralization uh, and scalability so um where's the trade-off in in Aptos like is all the scalability coming at the expense of decentralization or of security?
1: It's a great question. I uh, actually put out a a very long post on Twitter about uh, the the blockchain trilemma. And um, I I don't think of it as so much of a trilemma as more of like a a stool in some sense. Like these are the legs in which every piece of infrastructure in the the Web3 space needs to build on top of. We need to be more secure. We need to have better performance. We also need to be, you uh, you know, more decentralized over time. And so, it isn't necessarily so much trade-offs today as, as pushing these directions forward and kind of making those tools stronger. Uh, so, so let me give you an example of that. For decentralization, um, it's it's you know there's many different ways to think about decentralization. Uh, the way we really focus on it is going to be around things like Nakamoto coefficient, which uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but that's the number of nodes in which kind of you lose security of the network if you you kind of uh, you lose, you those nodes become malicious over time. We also have another um, metric that's not so well known that we care about, which is called the liveness coefficient, which is number of, it's similar to Nakamoto coefficient, but the number of nodes in which it takes to kind of make sure transactions are uh, being appended to them to the blockchain. And so a lot of people think about, oh, you know, you have 10,000 nodes or you know, 100,000 nodes, whatever, connected to your network, that makes it uh, you know, more decentralized. But in fact, many of these protocols uh, have a very low Nakamoto coefficient. And those extra nodes don't really help with security. They just increase cost, They increase coordination. Um, uh, make make it very difficult. And they are they are kind of dust in the system. Uh, maybe like a, you know this this comes to kind of a, a vanity metrics to some degree. Um, you know, and, and uh, it's it's something that we again we try to focus on what's real. Uh, and 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 I think that's that's kind of where we think about from a node standpoint decentralization. Like these two metrics are the key ones out there. But there's other aspects of decentralization that are also really important such as the way, how do you do development? Uh, Aptos has been open source uh, code, even since its earlier days as DM and back in 2018, under the Apache 2 license. Anyone can contribute, anyone can take the code and fork and do whatever they want to do. And in fact, we saw that, uh, which was really cool. Like back in, uh, back in the day, um, some developers did take our code, fork it and kind of launch a network, um, which, is, which is really neat. And that's the kind of way we think about the ethos of Web3 being very helpful for others uh, and supporting an industry, not just a spe- specific project over time. And so it is that in the sense of open source, also community aspects. We have an AIP process or Aptos improvement proposal process where anyone can kind of contribute different um, ideas uh, and also implementations to the code base over time. Uh, and then kind of also, like, how do you think about governance? Uh, so governance uh, in Aptos is, is a bit unique. It uses on-chain voting. Any token holder, uh, staking uh, token holder can vote on different proposals. And the, the other thing that's really interesting about Aptos is that once you make those votes, Those changes can go live immediately uh, through the programming nature of the the, the protocol. So it's a very, very decentralized process around governance. Um, And so it's it's a governance, you know, decentralization is a very, very big topic. And it's not just about nodes. It is not just about, you know, your processes. It's really encompassing like your whole philosophy around how you're involving others um, and how you're involving a community in the way you develop software and make sure changes go out um, uh, with community uh, kind of approval. Um, the other aspects of security and scalability, I'd say you know, security is, is also very related to decentralization, right? If you mm-hmm. have very few nodes in the network, uh, a very low knock on coefficient, they can be compromised. And we've actually seen nodes that have been compromised because of that aspect of security. Um, and, you know, for this, you know, things like move, just move the bar forward. There's no trade-off with respect to move, uh, except for maybe there's a smaller ecosystem that's not aware of it, but that will change over time. As people kind of get familiar with like what what's possible as opposed to having to live with what exists today. Um, and And also security aspect is around processes. Uh, so how do you think about this way you develop software? Do you have one code reviewer, two code reviewers? Uh, do you uh, have a lot of testing that goes into dev nets, test nets, um, main nets also, you know, does it test on every code commit? Is it nightly? All these kind of things around security. Uh, they aren't trade-offs I mean they' trust in terms of costs, perhaps, but not trade-offs in terms of the other aspects. And so that's where you know we see that you know things like AptOS that, that have that enterprise grade security that you would expect uh, have, a, have a differentiating uh, play in the market as well. And the last aspect around performance, this is just around mostly technology to us. How do you build amazingly scalable software that can leverage all the resources of your machine and beyond that? to providing a really, really great, um, highly scalable system with a great user experience.
0: Okay, so, but specifically to the Aptos chain, like, how, how is it built? Like, how is it a proof-of-stake chain? Um, how many how many nodes uh, does it have? Cool. I know you say, I mean, that's not the only thing that's relevant, but yeah. but still, like,
1: yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk about those. So, Aptos mm-hmm. is a proof-of-stake-based network. It uses a Byzantine fault-tolerant protocol um and it is actually really cool there's a paper called shoal uh which describes our latest and greatest in consensus and i definitely encourage the viewers to read it it is we've iterated our consensus protocol i think four or five times already <laughs> since mm-hmm. 2018 and we kind of bring new improvements across the way where there's latency and or uh, scalability uh through that um so that's that's something that we, we're we really excited about um in terms of the other aspects of um uh, node count i think we're about 126 nodes today uh, I think the Nakamoto coefficient is uh, 18, which is actually quite good. I think that's the highest Nakamoto coefficient of any node network that's launched uh, since our launch time. Uh, so we're really happy about that, and we'll see. Uh, I think we'll see more decentralization in that aspect coming over time. But that's very, uh, very, pretty, pretty impressive for a network that's been live uh, just about two years from now.
0: Nice. Um, can anyone uh, become a node?
1: Yes, anyone can run a node. Uh, there are some minimum requirements in terms of staking, but any any there's it's a permissionless system. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, yeah. there other layer one chains are criticized because it it takes uh, you know a lot of resources to run a node. Is that something that uh, your you know participants on the Aptos chains would struggle with?
1: Um, that is a good question. So I think this is one area where there is a bit of a trade off, right? So. If you want to have a high performance and low latency network, especially low latency, uh, I think that's where you have to have a great internet connection, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to have a, a scalable validator infrastructure, like one that has decent amount of uh, compute power. Uh, and this is kind of um, with respect to the needs of the network. And so this is um, something that, you know, in order to get those great results, we did have to uh, get, you know, pretty reasonably mid- mid-tier powerful machines uh, mm-hmm. to get the, the 2 billion transactions uh, in a single day and 25,000 transactions per second um so yeah a bit of a trade-off there um uh but uh we think a trade-off worthwhile to make for a customer experience being really good cool
0: yeah makes sense um okay so there's there's an, another chain that's also uh you know founded by former meta employees uh, sui they also use uh, the move uh, la- language so curious about aptos versus sui i i know you probably don't want to you know be, be thought of in, in those terms, but it's still interesting to me, they, they just look very similar in the surface. So how, how should I be thinking about them? Um, is, is there a different focus that you guys have or are you built differently?
1: Yeah, great question. So I think um, what people are kind of not aware of is, you know, move as a, as a, is more of a community aspect and not so much of a, you know, we're all sharing exactly the same code base and, and that's good. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say what we what we've seen that's you know really resonated well with us is that the version of, of move that Aptos uses is also being used by a number of other projects uh, in the ecosystem, uh, and you know a lot of community members have been helping us to develop this over time, and something that we're really excited about. I'd say in terms of the system design, you know, we are not just different than SWE in this aspect, but we're different all, all, all other networks. Um, uh, the way we do parallel processing is uh, using a form of what we call dynamic parallelism. Other systems. Uh, uh, use static parallelism, uh, and so that requires you kind of declare upfront what uh, what data you're touching uh, as a as, as a kind of requirement to the way they schedule. Um, Aptos is very different in the sense that it analyzes at runtime what the dependencies are, and then kind of extracts as much parallelism as possible. And this is something where Defi uh, you get a huge benefit from dynamic parallelism, um, and the reason why is because you have a situation. Um, where, say, you have this tree of, of orders you need to kind of traverse through and kind of match, uh, you know, with a matching engine. And the ability for dynamic parallelism to be able to do, to do the runtime matching, as opposed to declaring up front, I might touch these objects, I might touch these objects, but I don't know, uh, allows you to extract much higher performance than any other network out there. Um, and so we've been really excited about what BlockSTM can do in this space and augmenting the capabilities of BlockSTM with other things like hints over time. If you haven't already considered building your next smart contract in Rust, you gotta have a look at Sorobon. You can migrate your existing Solidity smart contracts over to Sorobon, and we'll show you how. You can also get funding for your projects. There's a $100 million adoption fund just to drive the adoption of Sorobon, so you can help build the ecosystem and potentially qualify for grant awards up to $150,000. You can visit us now at sorobon.stellar.org to learn more
0: interesting okay so so the main difference is that you use dynamic parallelism and as I understand it it's having a node run different like different sets of data like different functions at the same time broadly
1: it's definitely it's, it's, a, it's a definitely a a low, a low level optimization I would say mm-hmm. but this the way that you define um, you know kind of what data you're touching in the system, is different in Aptos and every other system out there, pretty much. Hmm. And that way, we do it just allows for much higher concurrency, and especially comes out to be a huge benefit for DeFi applications. We also have other things that I think other networks do not have, such as um, secure on-chain randomness. And this is a really neat feature where uh, we had a hack, we have a hackathon actually running right now for for um, for exploring this feature. And there's some use cases in terms of gaming, um, enterprise use cases. Uh, you can think about you know when you open up a loot box, what's how can it be t- truly random? If you have a casino, how can those, um, you know, the slot machine be truly random? Or are we playing poker or card games? Uh, you know, this, these things as well. So, um, this ability for our, for the blockchain itself. So, if you think of about a proof of stake blockchain, a proof of stake blockchain guarantees that the security, the safety, and liveness of that blockchain is going to be, uh, you know, for sure there as long as uh, more than two thirds of your stake is secured. And the same thing for us is true for the randomness aspect. And this allows you to build out things you can't just do anywhere else. Um, So having that ability for on-chain randomness uh, that is is unique, the ability for us to support dynamic parallelism, which is unique to Aptos, uh, and also having the fastest consensus protocol out there through uh, what we've been doing so far with with our current version of Aptos BFT, plus what is going to bring in the future, also just provides that massive throughput that we talked about. Uh, that no one else can match in industry so uh, those are kind of our differentiators versus you know kind of other networks um, not just not just say sweet.
0: very cool um okay and then something else uh, that you guys have that that most don't have is just the incredible amount of, of funding and the big names behind you <laughs> so um i believe that you've raised over 350 million um, uh, from A16C, Jump, MultiCoin Capital, and others, and so you know, it's it's why some uh, call Aptos and uh, and other chains that are backed by you know big VCs um, VC chains. It's a bit of a this you know, uh, despective kind of uh, term, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this, on the term and and kind of the criticism behind it, which is. Um, you have all these VCs holding your tokens. Uh, one, uh, maybe that will make the chain less decentralized because there, there will be just, you know, a concentrated voting power in uh, the chain's investors. And then, two, there's this obviously this concern that as soon as the unlock period comes, there will be a huge selling pressure. And the investors who got uh, tokens uh, for a, a lot cheaper than retail will, you know, th- they'll be able to sell uh, those tokens for a profit for uh, the retail investors. Um, what, what's your take on this? You think, uh, you know, yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've been really happy with the folks who have been supporting us from the very early days. And a lot of support also kind of comes from the fact that we we worked closely with uh, a lot of other uh, teams uh, when it came to building out the dm network and then you know being very the, t- the technology at the time like everybody was very happy with it it was going to be the, the right technology to take that whole project forward um and so i think it's pretty um pretty uh natural that a lot of those folks would want to continue to To be involved with that project, and so we've been really happy with the team that's that's going kind to of come forward uh, with us, as well as any, all the new folks that also joined and, and been excited about the Aptos vision. Um, I will say, with respect to the tokenomics, the investor um, portion is is definitely smaller than almost any network I've seen. I think it's thirteen point four eight percent. And if you compare that to other networks, it is probably one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, proportion of tokens allocated. Uh, towards that that pool of um, uh, pool of, uh, uh, of folks, and so you know, I, I think there's also like a huge you know uh, vote of confidence from those folks, and understand that this is this is a decentralized technology. It's meant for everybody. Uh, it's it's something that should be owned, owned, owned by you know the, the users and the developers who, who who build on top of it. And so, uh, really really excited about the way that those uh, the token supply was was allocated for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think um, I read, is it 51% of tokens go to the community?
1: That's right, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to, again, show, you know, like, what's what's the value of, you know, where are the values of the network? It's really towards being community-driven, community-owned, uh, and, and having those folks, uh, you know, building amazing products on top of Aptos.
0: Um, and so speaking of the community portion, of course, like, it seems the... The hardest thing right now in in this cycle, at least, is like points, airdrops, rewards. Um, are you planning uh, any of those uh, like incentive programs where you might be giving away like the community uh, part of the your token pool?
1: Yeah, I, I can't comment on that. Unfortunately, the Optos Foundation is responsible for the for the token allocation for for those community tokens. But from what I do know, I mean, I, I do see them very, very active in terms of uh, helping to find lots of projects to support. They built out the largest movie ecosystem out there, uh, as measured by the Electric Capital Developer Report. Uh, I think more like around twice that, twi- twice that of the next uh, largest movie ecosystem. And so, you know, building ecosystem is something that is um, is fun, and it also requires a lot of uh, um, support from from different entities, like the foundation, uh, also from Aptos Labs, in terms of. Um, uh, you know, support from a developer standpoint, uh, and also new developers that are coming in and building amazing things. Since we've seen folks like Beware Labs put out staking protocols, uh, uh, did like a staking protocol support. Uh, we've seen other uh, initiatives from projects even in DeFi um, adding new libraries to the AppDust infrastructure, and so just seeing kind of community building uh, across the board is is really what this network's all about, and we're we're super excited about the progress we've made.
0: Cool. Well, um, so, if if you can uh, go over like the structure of the Aptos ecosystem is it you know like is it the the labs is a company that builds applications for the chain then there's a the foundation that like funds um I don't know the startups or like how, how does it work
1: yeah great question so Aptos Labs is a developer uh, that uh, builds um, uh, different things uh, especially supporting the protocol these days as well as uh, building some infrastructure uh, We. We build uh, Petra as a wallet, so we build Aptos naming service, we have an explorer. Um, we also build out a lot of smart contract support for different kinds of ecosystem projects as well. Um, and just, you know, our, our jobs also help with uh, helping the ecosystem get started. Uh, but the foundation is really responsible for the token allocations, uh, also uh, growing out uh, the ecosystem more formally, that's their mandate, uh, making sure the network is secure, decentralized, and then you have a lot of different players in the space, in, in different verticals like gaming, social, um, uh, finance, uh, and and others. And so those 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 communities have taken a life of their own. And you can you know you can walk through each community. Uh, they're very very interesting and exciting. Uh, I know this is the defi, so we definitely want to talk about defi for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we do definitely see a lot of community building, uh, which which is really exciting. And Labs is just one of many built developers in the space.
0: Got it. Um, yeah, if 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 uh, we could go over some of the main use cases that you're seeing uh, grow right now, like how, how is Aptos being uh, used uh, the most.
1: Uh, so I think definitely, since we're, we can talk about DeFi, you know, what we love about DeFi is that there's kind of um, maybe generation one of DeFi in some sense. Like a lot of the older DeFi protocols, what we can what we found that folks can do with Aptos uh, and DeFi specifically. Is really, really neat. And we think it's the next generation of what DeFi is going to do and support. And we kind of walk back a little bit. What's the mission of DeFi? The DeFi mission is how do you construct a bunch of open protocols in which people can kind of uh, compose them together and make unique experiences that wouldn't be possible in today's uh, institutions. And so when we see uh, things like, uh, you know, Ondo Protocol actually just announced that they're launching uh, USDY on top of Aptos natively. Uh, and uh, a company like Thala Labs is going to integrate that into their protocol on, on you know, right right away, essentially. And mm-hmm. seeing that other integration happening into other protocols, so you can support, you know, bar lend, uh, trading swaps uh, um, with those with those assets, um, and kind of even then build out aggregators uh, and other kind of larger applications across those. That's where you start to see like that kind of real innovation. And when you work it at you know very very quick finality times like sub-second times as well as that high throughput and support massive parallelism uh when it comes to clubs and other order books um that produces a very very vibrant ecosystem and so we're super happy to have the builders like aconia building out clubs we have fellow labs building out um different kinds of uh, uh amm based pools as well as uh, uh having their own token uh and then also great borrow in protocols uh and then you know, you know it's it's not just two two or three different protocols. There's so many different protocols that are built on top of Aptos, uh, Merkle Merkle Trade as well as uh, uh, another DEX, um, and so that kind of ecosystem has been really taking off. And and it's not and it's also the mindset and then philosophy of those folks. They're not uh, thinking about zero sum games. They're really thinking about how does how does the community of DeFi and Aptos kind of grow together and grow the pie. Uh, and seeing that kind of collaboration is is really inspiring. I think for me as a as someone who kind of looks as a builder as well. Hmm.
0: So can you? It's interesting that you you mentioned that you know the ability to do things in Aptoside are hard to do on on other chains. I think um, that's really exciting. Like, can you? Yeah. Uh, what sort of applications are you envisioning?
1: Absolutely. So I think one thing is like take take DeFi again. We've seen so many. So many hacks <laughs> around DeFi mm-hmm. and people losing losing lots of funds, right? There's a lot of risk there. Uh, one thing that Aptos has done is uh, in, our, in our, what we call like the framework, which is kind of the base layer that people can build on top of um, around our accounts, around uh, the way we think about uh, different kind of um, basic primitives, data structures and all that, we have something uh, where we, something called the Move Prover. And the Move Prover allows us to formally verify security properties of that infrastructure, and so it provides another strong layer of support for security on top of uh, on top of all applications, but especially on top of DeFi. We can take that same move prover and now take that application code and then also grab new security properties on top of the application code. And so you can have this secure layer building secure layer and secure layer for DeFi, which allows you to kind of build a lot more confidence uh, in terms of you know, this is infrastructure that is is much more safe, much more resilient then uh, by default, out of the box, because it's, it's, it's kind of forced to be that way, uh, as opposed to other other ecosystems. And so that's something that really gets us excited about as a, as a differentiator for safety in terms mm. of DeFi. And I think one thing I also talked about was the way Econia works, um, having these order books and these matching engines that can extract much, much higher levels of concurrency and parallelism than anywhere else can, can do. Uh, that's also, we think, enabling new sets of use cases and new users and, and new opportunities for people to build out a very high-performance club. Uh, for example. Uh, and and now, you know, when you pair that with um, other kinds of assets or other kinds of interactions uh, and, and composability, uh, I think it just produces a really virtuous cycle of innovation in not just DeFi, but even open finance. So, when you think about Ondo being a real-world asset, being deployed on top of Aptos, uh, combining this, you know, this kind of TradFi as well as the DeFi world together uh, in a way that can be composed and take advantage of the unique properties of Aptos, uh, we think we'll, we'll, will be very life-changing in the future.
0: Hmm. Um, so you mentioned the uniqueness of the order books that people can build on Aptos. What's yeah. different about them?
1: Uh, I, I think it mostly comes down to the way that they're implemented. And so it's not necessarily, well, the functionality difference comes from, again, if we can extract massive parallelism of these order books, they can support lots and lots of trades. They can support um, trades at low fees because they're not they're not sequentialized. Um, and they can kind of support. Ideally, the the one of the big advantages of having uh, more creating assets in a single place allows for just unlocking new opportunities, as opposed to kind of mm. fractionalizing that, those across other opportunities because you can't perform fast enough in a single order book. Oh, okay. uh, and so that's something that is 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 also really really nice um, as a as a result of that.
0: Okay, so so maybe you know getting um, centralized exchange. Kind of performance on the decentralized exchange,
1: exactly, and getting very, very close to it, if not, you know, uh, those levels, right? So I think those kind of that's that's something that's the holy grail, uh, which is mm-hmm. how do we kind of match or maybe over time exceed uh, what a centralized exchange can do. Um, mm-hmm. What will be a will be the top line goal for us?
0: Nice. Um, is there any specific use case in in kind of? Um, Aptos Labs or the Aptos Foundation uh, roadmap that you'd like the, the chain to be ex- excelling at or or that you'd like to be the focus on?
1: Yeah, I think this is one where we've, we've been thinking about AI a lot. And I know mm-hmm. that's um, definitely a hot topic with things like Sora coming out kind of very recently. Um, it just kind of exacerbates, like not exacerbates, but it brings that problem of content verification lineage uh, to be move more front and center in terms of what mm-hmm. blockchain can do, because there's kind of two aspects here. One is how does how does AI help blockchain? And I think we've done we've actually done a lot of work in that space where we built something called Aptos Assistant, which is a kind of curated AI um, you know chatbot that integrates with the best sources of information for Aptos, keeps it current up to date. You can ask any questions, you can get amazing answers in terms of learning about the Aptos ecosystem, Aptos design docs, principles, some code snippets. Um, Something that, you know, you can't get from a generic kind of model from, from like, say, chat GPT-4 t- today. Mm. Uh, and that we find to be really helpful. We've also seen things like Copilot, where if you're coding and Copilot starts to suggest, it learns on the fly. You know, what does good move code look like? Uh, how do I, you know, do completion of this uh, particular uh, line? Or, you know, what are some suggestions in terms of, like, here's an example contract that does also does uh, uh, swaps, for example, uh, that you can learn from those things also help a developer productivity and, mm-hmm. or even, even over time, how do you inject kind of move prover uh, semantics uh, into my code base and now allow me to like uh, provide high quality testing uh, every time I want to, every point i want to want my, um, my uh, CI build on this. So that's also really cool. But the next step of course is going to be um, how does, how does uh, blockchain help AI? And we also, we have a partnership with Microsoft Um We've been playing around with the innovation Lab around different kinds of product experiences, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, also, we work with them on the uh, Aptos Assistant, given their close relationship with, with OpenAI. Um, mm-hmm. And so in this case, we started to think more about how does content verification identity work in this space? Uh, I think those are kind of the two, two core problems we want to solve. Uh, as you see, you know, more and more content coming up and, you know, we're all wondering, is that content authentic? Is it been doctored? Mm-hmm. Has it been altered in any way, shape or form? Um, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of you know, generating kind of proofs that, you know, Camilla, you, you signed this, uh, you signed this, this, um, this content. And with your signature, you are um, uh, authenticating that this is you, uh, or you're testing that this is something that you, you support. Uh, or you're saying that, you know, maybe this is something that was edited with, with Midjourney or something else like that. And so, or also, are you giving permission for this content to be used as a part of training for these large language models. Mm -hmm. Um, So all these things, I think, are where blockchain starts to really become very important. It is, you know, one of the only ways to prove your identity these days is to sign something. Um, Otherwise, I don't, you know, how do we know Mm -hmm. you're you and I'm me, even on this call? Um, (laughs) It could be anybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think those are the things that we start to see as really, really exciting for upcoming use cases of blockchain going forward.
0: Make your trades go further with Matcha, the DEX aggregator from 0x. Get the best prices on swaps with smart order routing and over 5 million tokens at your fingertips. Tap into more than 120 DEXs at once for the best value in DeFi and trade cross-chain for free across seven networks. And with Matcha Auto, MEV protection will save you money as your trades settle quicker through private market makers. Trade on Matcha today. Absolutely, agree. I think... Um, it, it's it's really been eye-opening to see the just like the level of development that AI has achieved just you know in in, in just like very recently um, with with Sora being the latest example it's just mind-blowing how much the line between uh, you know be, what's real and what's fake how much that that's been blurred so so yeah I agree that uh, we will need some sort of content verification system that uh, where you can see the provenance and, and just like verify the provenance and source of each piece of content online um, i i i i made a video uh, like a video essay last week saying that i think that we'll get to a point where we will only trust content that has this um, verification system, and we'll assume that everything else is fake, yeah. uh, because yeah, I think we'll we'll just get to that point. So, and and I think that an open open source permissionless uh, system supporting that standard is is so needed. So yeah, I I do think that those proofs need to be recorded on chain. That's yep. something that's kind of not. Not censorable, uh, not alterable. Will be exactly.
1: And uh, in order to reach mass adoption, it's got to be extremely cheap. It's got to be very, very scalable because if you think about it. Uh, there are billions of pieces of content generated at, say, one company, you know, one social media company you know, per year. Mm -hmm. uh and that you know we have a lot of content being generated on on all the social you know sites that we produce content on and and even beyond that now we will even have ais generating their own content going forward in the future Mm -hmm. so it's really really key for us to build out that scalability um you know in in aptos uh to to support it um and uh so both yeah high transaction throughput rate very very low fees ability for super uh, high, high, highly granular clocks uh, that Aptos has. I think also something kind of really unique about Aptos. We record a clock uh, clock tick every every 200 milliseconds or so. Um, and so you, as you get that stamped, you're getting a very, very fine-grained uh, path of content lineage that you can trace back to, especially you want to talk to an auditor, like, oh, no, like this is exactly when this happened. Uh, mm. You can kind of see that proof on the Aptos blockchain as uh, something that we think is also a very, um, very unique value proposition here.
0: Cool. Um, what do you think about uh, like royalty payments for creators?
1: I think it, I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, I think that we've seen that explored in the NFT space uh, mm-hmm. to a large degree. Um, definitely going to require a lot of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first and foremost, I mean, having that system where you can support you know, users being able to specify their preferences in an immutable way, in a way that is provable to everybody. I said, I want this piece of content to not be used for training. And if you do use, or I want this content to be used for training, but I want to be paid, you know, paid for or compensated mm. or receive the benefit. Uh, and then being able to also now, you know, the good actors in the system that are going to be like, Oh yeah, happy to do that. Happy to do that. Correct. Directly on chain, whether it's giving you some points or tokens or whatever it's going to be, that can all happen instantly uh, every time they're used. And um, it, it's, it's actually an amazing mechanism for transporting assets around but but going back to the earlier point, it's going to require massive amounts of scale. Uh, <laughs> we have billions of people using social media sites every day, um, and uh, in order to be support that kind of traffic flow uh, of, of value transfer between the two parties, you know, those who kind of use that data for training, those also who are providing that data. It's going to require like mass, massive scalability, and that's something that Aptos is, I think, really well suited for.
0: Nice, yeah. I'll, I'll be really interested to see, you know, what what kind of systems you, you put forward. Um, and then uh, another uh, recent announcement from you guys was um, a partnership uh, between the Abdul Foundation and Jambo Technology, uh, yeah. a Web three developer in Africa, um, for uh, uh, I think a phone.
1: Yeah, um, that's right.
0: So yeah, super interesting. Like, how how does that fit into your a strategy
1: i think it it fits in very closely in terms of that point about user experience we talked about mm. um i think there's only two two kind of l1s that have kind of integrated uh phones into their product one of course being the Sol- Solano phone and then the other one being jambo phone with aptos and i think these initiatives are are, are both important they're they're very different the solana phone is kind of more of a high-end device the jambo phone is actually targeted towards emerging markets it's very it's very inexpensive it's 99 i ordered one um, you know, it, it, it was a very easy, simple process and I think it's much more accessible. Uh, and you know, that, this is something where in order for us to really get in the hands of, of those 5 billion internet users out there, mobile is so important because 95% of those folks are using a mobile device to access, uh, to access the internet. And so just kind of pushing that further and further in, into the technology stack where you're using the internet, um, you're using Web3 in the background. You, you know you're getting, getting a great user experience and uh, it just happens to be something that you you now own it's in a permissionless network it works just as good as it does on traditional internet if not better in many ways like those are the things that help that mass adoption cycle for us uh, mm-hmm. and so getting involved you know having petra there which is kind of a, a wallet for Aptos um, and then adding new features over time that allow people to do more things web 3 directly out of the box I think and with less less clicks less you know less um, the friction points is going to be a massive game changer for this space.
0: Very cool. So um, so your thing is like mass adoption, getting billions uh, on chain. Right now, it seems like we're at the beginning of a new bull market. Uh, each bull market brings in, brings in a new wave of uh, users. So, you know, what do you think is going to be that uh, that killer use case, maybe it comes from Aptos, that will bring in the next, you know, billion users. You, you're, you you know, laying the, the ground for it, it looks like, with all your infrastructure, uh, getting, you know, uh, Web3 phones in the hands of people. Uh, but what do you see these people actually, you know, doing? Like, what's the use case?
1: Yeah, I think... Going back to kind of our four verticals that we believe are the the mass adoption points, you have gaming. And there are a lot of games coming live on Aptos on the next year. Um, Many, many large partners. Uh, We have also retail efforts and partnerships with folks like Lotte, who is the largest retailer in South Korea, who will be doing a lot of experimentation with Aptos in terms of of point-type systems as well as even even payments over time. Uh, And so those are definitely some key things. From the technology standpoint, there's a lot to do. Like there's getting to mobile devices. There's also something released recently called passkeys, and so passkeys, I think everyone, a lot of people are familiar with. They just may not know the technical name for it. But when you kind of um, store a password in your phone uh, and you secure it with your your face recognition, your face ID, behind the scenes, what's happening is a, a, a password is being stored onto your, say, your iPhone. It is being backed up into iCloud, and that password is now something you don't need to remember. Uh, it is just kind of safe and secured by your by your iCloud, by your iCloud account. And this to prevents a, like a much lower you know, uh, user friction uh, for, for using any application. And so this kind of core technology uh, of past keys is integrated into Aptos um, uh, and something that we expect anyone to be able to build on top of. And so whether it's going to be things like the, the retail app in, in Lotte that can allow you to log in and, and transact uh, in a very seamless way, um, or it's going to be the mass amount of gains coming to Aptos um, uh, in the next year that are again, all your, all your transaction happening behind the scenes and you're not even aware of it uh, to some degree until you want to be. Uh, I would say those are the kind of the things that are, are going to reach, reach, reach mass adoption. Um, we see the way that real world assets are coming taking, taking form in, in many different shapes. Ondo, of course being one of them, but Mm -hmm. large asset managers are taking those assets, money market funds and putting them onto blockchain. And, uh, we will see, I think massive transaction, uh, volume from, uh, those assets moving from from off chain to on chain going forward, and AI, of course, is, is one of those use cases which has a tremendous amount of of, of interest uh, given the the mass uh, uh, technology advancements that have been happening quickly. And I think those solutions will need to be developed very very fast and reach a mass audience in the in the near term. So, all these areas are things that we're really excited about. We have, and one thing I didn't talk about much was even on the AI side. There are a lot of new new platforms being built out for for doing training in a Web three world, where Web three provides kind of the backbone. Like there's a token economy that powers like if if you have some machines, I have some machines. We want to lend them to another person to kind of uh, use that hardware and then get compensated for in terms of tokens. Um, that's where Web three can help uh, help you know provide that infrastructure, uh, a payment system of sorts, a, a transaction bartering system uh, that is all recorded on chain. Uh, but supports massive AI training across lots lo- lots of commodity hardware. So those things uh, also can be massive drivers for AI. And so when you look across the board, whether it's going to be AI, gaming, finance, um, and also the innovations in the te- technology side to make it super simple, um, uh, the same way that the internet is for, for today, whether it's going to be on your browser or your mobile device, we think that's going to really advance uh, that mass adoption story much, much quicker.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd I'd love to also get your broader view on what the blockchain ecosystem as a whole will look like. Um, what's your What's your view like? Do you think there will be a, a single layer one uh, to rule them all? Do you see um, uh, an interconnected uh, world of chains with uh, bridges? Uh, will it be uh, a layer two? Like one, maybe one main layer one with a bunch of layer twos around or how how will the ecosystem be structured?
1: That's a fantastic question. I, I think, you know, the way I look at inspiration for this mainly is around what happened with cloud. And so if you think about in 2006, uh, Amazon launched AWS and um, and then there are a bunch of other cloud providers that came up over the t- over time. And then today, you know, we have, we have, you know, a decent number of cloud players. I think there's, you know, the, there's there's, there's several, uh, say five to, to eight kind of very large cloud providers across the world. Um, that seems to be like a very reasonable way in which blockchain settles out. Uh, the, you know, it's not too big, uh, not too large number of, of networks. And the reason for that, of course, is that, you know, as you transition, even between these clouds, like a lot of people go multi-cloud today. I run some of my infrastructure on AWS. I run some of it on GCP, I run some of it on Azure. I do this because I don't want to be locked into one vendor. I do this also because I may have requirements in dif- with certain partners to be operating in different clouds in different regions. Um, I think a lot of those things will be kind of true for blockchain as well. Like There are basically infrastructure service, and they are something that has different properties and different, uh, maybe different requirements uh, over time. But today, what we'll see in the, the short term is an explosion of networks. I think we've seen so many networks launching, especially in the L2 space. Uh, and uh, I, th- I suspect later on, you know, in the, in the longer term, we'll see a contraction of that into like something very similar to the cloud infrastructure where you have maybe eight to 10 kind of larger networks that uh, that consume most of the traffic.
0: It makes sense to me as well, like without right now, it, it, the, the, I don't know what the right number is. I think now it seems like there's just... Too many chains to be practical, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think that a single chain will be enough for most use cases either. So yeah, I think so- something like um, five to ten or some something along those lines. Uh, the challenge obviously will be to make sure that uh, all these chains are interconnected, that the bridges are safe, that it's not a, a massive kind of UX. Pain to move between them. And I think those all of those things are kind of being worked on right now.
1: They're getting better, but I do think that we should probably not underestimate, like even in cloud, like they, they get better as well. Like it's easier to deploy mm-hmm. things on multiple chains. I think things like Kubernetes, uh, like as an interface, like uh, that's common now for how we launch services, Make it makes it simpler. Um, and we will see those things through bridges and others, uh, cross-chain messaging protocols that, have, that are starting to take off uh, in this space. That being said, I, I still think, you know, I believe uh, very strongly that a single chain can actually scale out to a very, very large to capture a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of the traffic out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think from a technology perspective, it is possible, and that is something that we at Aptos are committed to to, to searching and, and developing. And you know, based on our numbers or we see from our early preview nets, we're really excited about that. We can get these numbers to be 10x, 100x. You know, we think there's more than one transactions per second that are possible with mm-hmm. enough hardware. Uh, And so, you know, our goal will be to keep pushing on those uh, those boundaries and um, and do as you know go as far as we can.
0: So, what does success look like for Aptos?
1: Success for Aptos, you know, I guess can be looked at a couple different ways. Like ultimately, we want to see users um, getting value out of the network. And so, there's a, a variety of different ways. There needs to be great apps built on the on the infrastructure that are being used, where people are having fantastic experiences that are on par or better than what exists inside of Web Web two today. From a technology standpoint, that means it's got to be extremely easy from user experience, um, as easy, if not easier, than, than Web2. Um, we talked about some of those things around the way you log in, the way you custody your funds, uh, the way you transact. Uh, it just needs to be very simple and even more secure in some sense than the way Web2 is today. Um, and then from a system standpoint, we've got to support massive, massive transaction rates at very, very low fees. And we have to be able to build out software that can scale to that uh, and and maintain security over time. So that, that, is the, that is kind of the core challenge we want to solve. If we can get there, I think um, we think the world will be a much, just a much better place. It'll be a place where everyone can transact permissionlessly, where anyone who wants to kind of participate in the network can do so in different ways, whether it's holding tokens, whether it's staking, whether it's uh, um, building on the network. And I think that our ultimate goal is to form an, an amazing global public utility uh, that, that helps everyone out there.
0: What's your kind of holy grail number of transactions per second that you have in mind?
1: Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, we're shooting for over a million uh, transactions per second uh, in, in, in the near term. But, you know, that probably won't be enough if you want to like capture all the database use cases out there in the world. And so um, it's a good starting point. Uh, we, mm. we can probably get there in a year or two if we want to. Um, mm. Depends on the priorities of, you know, definitely what the builders want to see out there. Um, but uh that and then that number is also kind of a little bit, you know. Just just to put a little point on that, I think we mm-hmm. we do focus on transactions a lot. Um, the type of transaction matters a lot as well. Like some transactions are very very simple, uh, maybe just uh, trans- moving uh, a number from from my account to yours. Um, there are much more complex transactions as well, uh, and so mm-hmm. when we think about that, we really th- want to think about the kind of other metrics like gas per second, operations per second, uh, that kind of mm-hmm. capture more of the workload and the cost of those the work that's being done on the chain and scale that out as far as we can.
0: Mm, interesting. Um, all right. Okay. So would, would a broader goal, is would it be to say that you want to capture all database use cases?
1: I think we want to capture pretty much ideally all internet um, you know, transfer of assets uh, uh, on chain. Okay. That, that would be probably the broad goal. Um, and of course, you can go beyond that. We can start to move towards non-internet transactions as well, because you know today there's a lot of cash-based transactions, uh, for example, that are kind of not on, not happening on the internet. Those will be kind of another another goal to to hit over time.
0: That's a nice goal. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: all right, Avery. Thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, super interesting. Love learning more about Aptos. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely be covering all of the development and progress at the Defiant.
1: It was great to chat with you as well, Camilla.